So finding your posture. Noticing what the uh, best po posture would be for you right now and also noticing if you need to make any adjustments to that posture. Any changes so that the body is as supported, as stable, as steady as possible. As we do this, the awareness already invited into the body, coming into the body, checking in, attuning and aligning the body posture so that the body can support us in the practice as fully as possible. Inviting the awareness more deeply into the body. Perhaps into the sensations of contact between the body and the seat, body and the ground. the immediacy, the availability of those sensations of contact to gather and collect the awareness into the body as fully as possible. body resting into the seat, resting into the ground, supported. And then from that contact, from that support, inviting the awareness to open through the body to expand through the body and to fill the whole body. So that we have a sense of the whole body here, whole body here. present, alert, 
wakeful and awareness filling up the whole space of the body. And within this wide space of awareness in the whole body, opening to the flow, the fluidity, the movement of the breathing, or if you prefer, of sound, one of those. Keeping the awareness wide, we're tuning in. that flow, that movement of the breathing or of the soundscape through the space of awareness in the body, arising, flowing, moving through the space of awareness in the body, being known in awareness. So let's explore this practice in silence for a few minutes.
awareness wide and open, expanded through the whole body. Breath or sound arising, flowing, moving through awareness, appearing, changing, and passing away. Can we be curious and interested in that appearance, in that arising, changing movement? As the breath appears in awareness and as it flows through or as the sound appears in awareness and flows through. Interested, curious, attentive. Is there a moment when the breath begins or the sound begins? Is there a moment of beginning? Is there a moment of ending before the next sound or the next breath? Gentle curiosity, not putting pressure on the experience and keeping the awareness wide. This movement of breath, this movement of sound through awareness. As I stay close and curious and intimate, can I find a beginning? Can I find an end?
When does the breath, when does a sound begin? What causes its changing and disappearance? Can we see that every breath, every sound is arising from conditions, seen and unseen, dependent on conditions, seen and unseen. As conditions change, the appearance of breath or of sound changes. Sound dependent on the object that creates the sound, but sound also dependent on the ear and on the mind that hears and perceives. As conditions change, the sound changes. Breath, dependent on the body, on the oxygen, on the attention to the breathing. As these conditions change, the breath changes. So spending this practice time, yeah, about 10 minutes left or so, spending it interested, curious, attentive, gently, with this appearing and changing of breath or of sound, remembering this is dependent, dependent on conditions. Is it possible to separate a breath from the conditions that create it and impact it? Is it possible to distinguish a sound from the conditions that bring it into being, that impact it, that bring its change and its disappearance as much as its appearance. A network, a web of conditions, seen and unseen, impacting this moment of experience and this one and this one. So resting back into a wide awareness in the whole body. Receiving breath or sound in awareness. Gentle, light, curiosity. On what does this depend? this breath, 
this sound appearing, known, changing and disappearing.
awareness wide and open through the whole body. The flow and movement of the breath or of sound. Appearing and changing. Evolving and disappearing. Remembering dependent on conditions, changing with conditions, appearing and disappearing as conditions change. This breath appearing and disappearing. This sound appearing and disappearing. Dependent on conditions. Sound of the bell too, dependent on conditions, arising and passing as conditions come.
come together and change. So whether the conditions allowed you to change, uh, to hear the bell or not, <laughs> just coming to the end of the meditation and taking your time with that, there's no rush to transition, to open the eyes or to change the posture, taking your time with that. Before we flow into the Dharma talk, the Dharma reflections, um, just a few words about the practice of dana, the practice of giving, of generosity. As many of you are aware, these sessions are offered freely. They're offered without a price, without an expectation, without a ticket or an entrance fee. Um, it makes them available to all of us. Uh, not everyone and uh, that's a very precious part of our practice of our Dharma practice and so there's the possibility to participate in this offering yeah, through um, offering your own support to Gaia House uh, for its work in allowing these sessions to, to take place and um, also, there's the possibility to offer support to the residential community at Guy House and to myself for the teachings. So I'm going to put into the chat a link to um, both the Dana, uh, Guy House Dana page, support page, um, if you wish to off offer Dana either to Guy House or to the residential community, you can do it via that page. Um, and if you click on the link, you'll get all the information. And if you wish to offer Dana to support me, I'm putting in a link to um, the Help Refugees um, Ukraine appeal. Uh, and I ask that, as has been happening already for the past few weeks, if you wish to support me, please give that support um, to that appeal. Um, so there are the links. Um, I'd like today to uh, continue from the guided practice to the uh, Dharma reflections um, using uh, a sutta, um, a text um, from the teachings uh, to frame the, the reflections around. Um, so this text is called The Discourse about Sela, S-E-L-A, which is name of a woman, of a nun, in this case. There's discourse about her and her practice. And it's, uh, it's very much in the, in the traditional 
kind of format of the languaging. So I'll just read out the sutta, it's not very long, and then uh, share some reflections on it. So, thus have I heard. It's the way suttas often begin. Thus have I heard. At one time the Buddha was dwelling near Savati. Then the nun Sela, having dressed in the morning time, after picking up her bowl and robe, was entering Savati, the nearby village, for alms, yeah, for food. After walking for alms in Savati and returning from the alms round after the meal, she approached the forest to pass the day and having entered the forest, she sat down at the root of a certain tree to pass the day. That's very beautiful. This is me, not the sutta, by the way. Uh, very beautiful description of um, the kind of daily routine of a, a nun and also of a monk in the Buddha's time. Yeah. Risen in the morning, dressed, taking the bowl, taking the robe, walking into the nearby village or town, uh, to receive the dana, to receive the offerings of support uh, from the local community in the form of food. And then having taken her meal, going into the woods, going into the forest, finding the root of a tree and settling down um, for the days, what is often referred to the days abiding, you know, the days practice. So there she is. You know, my, if we like visual image, we can have an Im image of her you know, sitting there fed for the day that's the meal food is taken care of <laughs> no more need to worry about eating um she's sitting there for her day of practice then the wicked mara so who's the wicked mara the wicked mara is uh, the embodiment of distraction <laughs> yeah desiring yeah to give rise to fear terror and horror so he's got quite an agenda there in the nun sailor yeah Desiring to drive her out of samadhi, to drive her out of gatheredness, of collectedness, of harmonization. Approached the nun seller, and after approaching, he addressed her with a verse. So here comes Mara approaching the nun and addressing her with a verse. Very civilized. Yeah. And here's his verse. It comes in the form of a question. By whom was this figure, this creature, made? Where is this figure's, this creature's maker? Where has this figure risen? And where does this figure cease? Yeah. This is what he's asking her. By whom? Did someone make this figure? He's referring to her. Yeah. This body, we can say. By whom was, was this body made? Where is this body's maker? Where has this body risen? And where does this body cease? Yeah. And... You know, it sounds like quite a good question, doesn't it? Yeah, it's like, oh, that, that shouldn't, does that create fear and horror? It sounds like a good question. So here's the nun. Then it occurred to the nun sailor, who is this that is asking the question? Yeah, who is this that is asking the question? Is it a human or a non-human? Yeah, so she's pausing and reflecting. Who is this? Where is this question coming from? Then it occurred to the nun sailor, this is the wicked Mara, desiring to give rise to fear, terror and horror in me, 
desiring to drive me out of samadhi, out of harmonization and gatheredness, who speaks this verse. So she's recognizing who is asking the question, and this impacts, perhaps, may impact her response. Having understood this is Mara, the nun sailor responds with these verses. So here's her response. This figure, this body, is not made by oneself, and it is not made by another. Through conditions, it arises. Conditions broken, it ceases. Just as a certain seed, when it has been sown in a field, will grow. Through these conditions, the earth's essence and the moisture. So, the constituents and the elements and the six sense spheres, through conditions arise with conditions broken, they cease. She's talking about the body there. I'll just read it again and I'll just use the body. This figure, this body is not made by oneself, is not made by another. Through conditions it arises, conditions broken, it ceases. Just as a certain seed, when it has been sown in a field, will grow dependent on these conditions. The earth is nourishment and the earth is moisture. So the body, through conditions, arises, with conditions broken, ceases. Then the wicked Mara thought, the Nansela knows me. And pained and depressed, he vanished right there. So yeah, I don't know what you make of the sutta, but I find it really interesting. Of course, I chose to bring it. <laughs> yeah, it'd be interesting to bring something I found not interesting one time. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's definitely really interesting on, on, on so many multiple levels. It's interesting, right? I think right now reading it, one thing that's really interesting is that the question that Mara is asking is a good question. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting question, and the response that she responds is um, is kind of irrelevant to the um, to the motivation of the questioner. Yeah? yeah, it's irrelevant to the motivation. She responds to the question as if he's genuinely interested in the answer. And it is that, you know, she stays steady, she stays um, stable. And, and, and let's unpack that a little bit. So what is Mara trying to do? Mara is trying to uh, disturb her practice. Yeah? He's trying to distract her. Right? That's his motivation, we can say. Um, and I love that word distraction. Recently I've been talking a bit about it. You know, to distract means to pull apart. Yeah? So he's trying to pull apart to fragment the mind. Yeah? And she's trying to gather and harmonize, harmonize her mind in the practice. And he's trying to bring in, through bringing in a juicy question, he's trying to fragment, yeah, to start getting her uh, papanchaing, we'll say, this word papancha, proliferating. Yeah? And how is he doing it? So he's bringing in a question that will have some pull, that will hook her. Uh, and he's bringing in a question 
um, that brings into focus not just the body but also the sense of self is also what they're talking about here. How is this sense of self, this figure, how is that um, kind of what gives rise to it and what uh, and when does it cease? When, is, when does it stop being, stop existing? So he's trying to kind of trigger that sense of identity uh, in her. Yeah. And um, and that sense of identification, you know, ah, you know, it can be in multiple levels. It might be, oh, someone is coming to me to ask me a really good question, you know. Oh, I'm a really, uh, you know, must, he must have heard of me or whatever. Um, he's also trying to cause confusion. Yeah, what should I do now? What, what is he, you know, that question can also be confusing. Maybe I don't know the answer. Uh, maybe it might cause overwhelm, a loss of trust in herself and in the practice. Yeah, so he's kind of yeah, trying to disturb and distract. Um, he's also trying to engage her in debate, right? That's another way of distracting and pulling her away from her intention of the day, yeah, of, of practicing, of um, kind of uh, gathering herself in silence, uh, in solitude, in, into the practice um, that she's doing. And uh, I really, you know, another thing I really love about the sutta is that we get it to peek into her inner process a little bit. Now, maybe I'll just pause there and just make sure, does everything I've said so far, does that make sense? Yeah. I kind of was trying to point out different ways that he's distracting. Yeah. And then we get a, a peek into her inner process. Yeah. Uh, and the fact, I think, that one of the big teachings here that she does not immediately react, right? You know, how often do we do that? <laughs> Someone asks us a ju juicy question, intention goes out the window, remembering what we're trying to do goes out the window. We immediately get kind of sucked in to the conversation, right? Sucked into the debate, sucked into the um, maybe reflection on, on that. But she pauses yeah, and just go back to that line um, where it describes this. Um, so it occurs to her, who is this? Yeah, and so that you know, it's kind of hidden in the language here. But if it occurred to her, she's already pausing. Yeah, and the question itself is a question of pausing. It's like reflecting. Ah, who is? Who's asking the question? Because of course, yeah. The response to the question and the understanding of the question is dependent on the motivation of the person asking it, right? We need to determine that, yeah? Who's asking the question? Is it a human or a non-human that's asking this question? So she's pausing, she doesn't immediately react, and she's reflecting, who's asking the question and why? Yeah. Who's asking the question and why? And we can see how this pause unbinds her from the habitual reactivity that we live in most of the time. Yeah. Ah, there's a question, boom, response. Yeah. Not stopping, not kind of reflecting, not slowing down. A bit of reactivity and the pausing then supports clarity. Yeah? It supports the clarity of, okay, what's, what's the response here? What's the response here? 
It also supports um, the understanding of who is asking the question, what the motives may be, which again also supports clarity, also brings clarity. Yeah? Who's asking the question and why? And again, we can feel in the, in the process, yeah, so it occurred to her, and I, I, I love that language, it's a language that use, that's used a lot in, in the suttas, instead of I thought, or she thought, or she figured out, it occurred to her. And that points to a process of listening, of slowing down, of pausing, of listening to experience. Yeah. So we can feel in the words uh, that she's finding her ground, finding her inner balance, yeah, settling. Yeah, so I had this image, like the clarity being distilled. Yeah, the way she's attending to the question, she's taking time, and then it all distills. The the kind of activation stops. Yeah, the busyness stops, and then all the the things that get in the way of clarity settle down, and we have uh, the clarity is distilled. It becomes more more clear. Yeah. And then the response comes from that, yeah? from the distilled clarity, yeah? from the process. So another thing we can see that she does is that she doesn't get caught up in the way Mara frames the questions. And we'll go back to the text in a moment to see this. She doesn't get caught up in his framing of the questions. Yeah. Because the way he's framing the question, um, he is 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 already creating a sense of a separate self, yeah, or a separate, you know, the body being separate from conditions, yeah, as a creature or a figure. So if we go to his um, question again, by whom was this figure made? Yeah. So there's something here that was made by someone. Yeah, that's his language. Yeah. Where is the maker? of this figure yeah. and then where has it arisen from and where does it see and where does it cease to be that's his that's his question and she doesn't get caught up in that um, in that framework that he's building yeah and she answers yeah kind of says ah, it's not made by oneself it's not made by another yeah. this figure through conditions it arises, conditions broken, it ceases. And then she gives this image, just like a seed is dependent to grow on the earth and on water. Yeah? So the different, and she actually breaks down, I didn't read it this way, but I'll read it now. She said, so the constituents and the elements and these six sense spheres, yeah? some of the um, building blocks of the body, yeah, through conditions they arise and with conditions broken they cease. So she's doing a double conditionality thing there. She doesn't use the word figure the way he did. She uses some of the uh, things that, some of the building blocks of the body. Uh, and then she points to the fact that they too are conditioned, dependent on conditions to arise, dependent on conditions to cease. And I know this is, might be a little bit dense, but hopefully. Um, we're, we're getting it, and there'll be time for questions in a few minutes. So 
she's not getting caught up in his framing of the questions and she's really kind of pointing out this isn't made up by self it's not made up by another and we may think this other might be a sense of a god or or something like that uh, but it, it, it's an arising that's dependent on conditions and it ceases dependent on conditions And as she goes through that response, uh, I feel I can actually hear her confidence. I hope you can also. So that what's actually happening is the opposite of what Mara would, was, was aiming for. <laughs> he wanted to kind of bring in doubt yeah, and fear. And actually what's happening, because she's taking the time yeah, and reflecting and responding you know, carefully, deliberately, we can hear her confidence uh, building up and this confidence is not self-referential it's not oh, I know yeah but it's like ah here's the here's the Dharma yeah here's the understanding it's very grounded it's very spacious it's very calm as she speaks and so we can hear it and and so does Mara obviously <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't waste any time trying to argue with her you know he hurt, hears her and he's like all right She's, she's, you know, she's figured me out. I, you know, no time. Better go. No, you better not waste my energy. You know, it'd be better used going around the forest finding some other, <laughs> some other practitioner and trying to disturb them because this one, you know, I've already failed. Yeah. So there's really, um, yeah, I find it very beautiful the way he he hears it and he just. You know, just gives up and, and kind of disappears. And we can say in the framing of this, uh, this whole teaching that she's teaching here, Mara himself, his presence, yeah, he's a figure, right, appearing. <laughs> this is the language. We can see he himself is dependent on conditions, yeah. What conditions? The conditions of her attention, yeah. If she gives him the kind of attention that builds him up, he'll stay, yeah. But she's not, yeah? She's giving him the kind of attention that does not build him up, yeah? And therefore he goes, yeah? He disappears. So this emphasis on the recognition, yeah? Like she pauses, she waits, she questions. Who is this that's asking the question? And she recognizes who it is and what the motivation is. The possibility to restructure and reframe the question, yeah? Not necessarily uh, respond in the same uh, context that he's creating, uh, staying expansive, grounded, wide, yeah? and rooting her confidence and her response in the wisdom of her own understanding, yeah? letting that come forth. And so instead of distracting her, <laughs> Mara is actually consolidating her gatheredness. Yeah? Well, she's in response consolidating, deepening her gatheredness in um, her wisdom, her understanding, and therefore the faith that she can have in herself and in her practice. And so um, this is really relevant for us in our practice. I hope we understand that. You know, the reason these suttas exist is not to tell us, oh, there was once a nun called Selah and this is what happened to her. You know, isn't that fascinating? <laughs> it's because this is relevant. It's a teaching story. It's relevant to us in our own practice. So, um, Mara represents all the ways that we get distracted, that we get pulled apart, yeah? and that we get um, hooked into 
uh, different things that arise in our experience and pull our attention. Say, oh, look at this. Yeah, think about this. Figure this out. Um, and how uh, helpful it can be to pause and to reflect and to uh, recognize, ah, oh, this is Mara. Yeah. This is Mara. This is doubt. This is um, aversion. This is um, sensual desire. Yeah. This is something that's coming in. It's actually it's not helpful. It can be dressed up as something that's helpful. Yeah. And it can be very persistent. <laughs> this sutta is part of a whole collection of suttas where he's kind of trying different games with different practitioners in the forest, yeah? Bringing up different ways of disturbing, distracting. Um, so it can be very, very um, persistent. But this recognition, ah, this is Mara. This is Mara arising. And then pausing to ground and to settle. Yeah, to recognize and to say, ah, who's asking the question? Yeah. Is this a helpful questioning right now or unhelpful? Yeah. How can I reframe it? Yeah. Sometimes we just put it down. We don't even need to give any attention to it because it's not in alignment with our intention for that period. And sometimes we engage with it skillfully. Just like um, the nun Sela does in in this um, in this sutta. So I think this is what I wanted to to share as reflections. I hope it wasn't too dense um, from this text. There was a question um, where you can find this. It's an interesting question because I actually had this uh, as a Hebrew translation from one of my friends from the texts and I haven't got the, um, the placement of it in the suttas and then I, I, I actually had to search for it in English quite a while so I don't remember where I found it but I will put into the chat the name uh, of the sutta and if you search for that you should be able to find it. Um, and it comes from a little section in the suttas which is about um, hold on I've actually got the book right next to me I'll find it it's the book in Hebrew so most of you can't read it um, but this is from a section of the suttas I'll just tell you where it is This is a section of the suttas that's all from uh, awakened nuns. Which we don't hear enough about. And it's from the um, Samyutta Nikaya. Yeah, so Samyutta Nikaya is one collection of suttas. And it's from the Samyutta Nikayas. But if you, if you look for the name of the, this discourse about Sela, you should hopefully find it. And yeah, you may have to look for it a little bit. Okay. Yeah, the translation isn't mine. I did find it. Uh, but uh, the, the commentary is mine. <laughs> skillful or unskillful, who knows. Um, great. So if there's any questions, uh, reflections, responses to... Uh, the practice we did today or to these reflections on the sutta 
uh, on the teachings uh, very 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 welcome you can either put them into the chat or if you wish to uh, treat us to the beauty of your voice uh, then you can um, also unmute and ask or use the raised hand uh, function uh, there's one yes Larry please click on the button Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, thanks for that reflection. And I think it's so uh, it's so important yeah, to see a few things from what you say. One is that we have, uh, this is applicable and it's important that we apply it into our lives. Yeah, remembering this capacity to pause, to reflect um, and to respond from our own ground and expansiveness. Uh, and poise, you use that word very beautifully, not from reactivity and not from the framework that somebody else has created. And the other really important aspect here is that we have got modern uh, day um, inspirations for this. They may not be Buddhist practitioners, uh, and it's important that we see them, that we notice them and that we take that in. You know, there are these uh, beautiful uh, expressions yeah, of, and, and we have them, you know, they're, they're, they're around. Um, and it's important that we see them, that we notice them, that we name them, that we speak about them. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, uh, clearly and loudly, both internally to ourselves, but also with each other. Bring these voices forth. forth. Otherwise, our view of the world gets very skewed. Yeah. And it actually then gets determined by uh, the, the less wholesome voices in our societies because that becomes the discourse um, rather than what is, um, is, is going well. I mean, uh, yeah, so yeah, thanks for bringing that in, Larry. That's really important. And I'm just going to check the chat because there's a few comments there. So yeah, thank you. So a few people have put in uh, links to the or, or names to the to the sutta that's really really helpful thank you for doing that um, and there's a I think there's a question or comment from Zoe so I'll read it out Mara is very alive for me right now after a period of very beautiful peace I find when I experience more joy and peace Mara then comes in yeah. and usually finds a credible reason to be disturbed from practice and it's challenging to get back in the face of this. Thank you. I think I find I need to really stand up for my practice and not cave in. What do you think? Yeah, beautiful Zoe for sharing that. Yes, um, such a, a common uh, uh, experience uh, and so very beautifully put. Yeah, you've, you've framed it so beautifully. Um, you know, there can be a periods longer, shorter um, within one meditation practice or in a bigger picture of our meditation practice yeah, over months and years um, where we've had a, a, a period where um, things have been settled and peaceful and then easeful and then whoop, Mara pops up. Conditions change. We can see Mara too is conditioned. Yeah very important to see we don't need to always know map all the conditions but that is also conditions change comes up uh, and becomes very believable yeah that's that's the power becomes very believable and then what do we do with that yeah, what do we do with that um, 
I think one thing that can be, it can be really helpful, as you say, to have this re, re, reaffirm that sense of commitment and determination. And that beautiful thing that you said, stand up for my practice and say, no, this is really important. And yes, settling back in may be challenging. Yeah, like we need to re to build up the momentum again. We had a good momentum. Things were really peaceful. Things were really flowing. And now there's a change and it's more difficult. And so we need to bring in more determination. Um, and yeah, I love that, that, that language, stand up for my practice. <laughs> um, and marrying that with compassion and with care and kind of how do we put energy into the practice without creating too much uh, pressure yeah and I think what can be really helpful is seeing this is dependent and seeing that this is a dependent arising yeah dependent on conditions so what we need is we then nourish the the, the conditions that are helpful um, to reaffirm to recreate um, and and to be interested in those conditions, because often this happens also in our practice, we're, we're interested in the result. Yeah, and the weight of our interest goes to the result. Yeah. So um, we, we kind of are fixed on, you know, we, we, we're more fixed on the result than on the process. And then these kinds of um, periods arise and, and the result isn't so great. <laughs> Even if we get ourselves to sit down, it's not as peaceful and joyful as it was. And so then we see, ah, it's actually what happens if we bring enough of our attention to the, to the process, uh, that can then uh, be nourishing. Yeah. And I'll just give an example. You know, I've been doing this um, since November so, or December. So I had a, a one-month retreat in November. And I know my, you know, I know I come off retreat and practice is very easeful and rich and then it, it gradually dissipates. And so I didn't even make a conscious intention, but now I need to make it conscious and to reaffirm it. I'm interested in that process of seeing the change, yeah, and learning from it, not even changing it, but seeing the change, you know, from sitting three or four times a day easily, yeah, to then the, the kind of the distractions coming in and like you say, not standing up for the practice. So for me, this is just me but the interest in the process itself of seeing the building blocks seeing the 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 um conditions yeah can then give us a, a wider stance to, to 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 practice from i hope i see you zoe i think you're nodding uh, i hope that makes sense um so being interested in the process itself not just in is that you know how is the practice unfolding does that make sense yeah great Great, thank you. Uh, there's another question about the suttas. Uh, yes, there's many. So the, the suttas come in a few. Um, they come in, in different um, sections, and uh, they're all translated by Bhikkhu Bodhi, which is a good translation, uh, divided into middle length. Um, I can't remember the, sorry, the, the, the names are, there's the middle length sayings, there's the, the longer ones, and then there's the shorter ones. Um, and you can find them online, and you can find them in book form. Um, online you can get them as free PDFs if you're interested. But if you're not so familiar with them, I would actually recommend um, a, um, a shorter book that just has a collection of suttas with commentaries from Bhikkhu Bodhi. 
uh, which is called in the Buddha's words. Um, so I'll just write it in the chat. Um, um, yeah, sorry, Bhikkhu Bodhi. Yeah, but there's many sources, but that would be a nice one to start with. Uh, yeah, yeah. Thank you for that very, uh, very moving and beautiful uh, sharing. Um, and I think, again, something that many of us will resonate with, you know, how do we take our, our wholesome intention to do things that are good for us and not make that into another um, way that we um, put pressure on ourselves? Yeah, I think that's really the question. Um, and I think you actually answered it very beautifully in your own words, so I'm just going to reframe something that you said, um, which is to um, take time yeah, every morning to connect to why you do these things. Yeah? And for that to be the primary thing. Yeah? So take time to connect to the intention yeah, of kindness, of care uh, for your own well-being, yeah, which is, is, is what is there. Take the time that you need for that. And then from there, um, also say it's enough that I do one of them. Yeah, And then also allow yourself to then make a plan according to the time you have. What do I do? Yeah, Do I have, I've got, okay, so I've spent time connecting to the intention and now I only have time to do one or two things. And maybe even have like a few a few possible plans that you can choose with, from so that it doesn't get too confusing every morning to have to figure out your rhythm. But the most important thing is to is to, to take time to connect to the intention, why do I do this? And and then to recognize when the mind starts spiraling. Yeah, that's the recognition of Mari. When it starts building up into the self-blame um, uh, kind of paradigm. And come back to the intention. Now, what is this about? This is about bringing in um, wholesome aspects and kindness and wisdom into my life. Uh, and so let's rest in that um, rather than in the I did it, I didn't do it, I'm a good person, I'm a bad person, etc. How does that sound? Yes. Wonderful. So yes, so, so that's a good clarification. So take time to, to, to spend time with your intention. And then from that intention, say, well, actually, right now, the, 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 I've, I've spent time with my intention. I know I'm clear about my intention, which is to be kind to myself or whichever way you phrase it. And actually, right now, the, the, um, the most helpful thing to do is to, to, you know, I have a lot to get on with. Um, so the most helpful thing to do now is to let go of those ideas of I need to do those things and actually uh, redirect my energies to to work or to, you know, whatever it is that needs to be done to cleaning the house. Uh, but from that intention, so having that intention um, at the full. Um, and like I was saying to Zoe, be interested then in the process of, okay, how, you know, what's the impact of that? How, how does that feel? Um, and can I bring the intention and therefore the practice in an informal way into how I'm attending to my day? 
and not just through the forms of I need to meditate, I need to do yoga, I need to do this and that. You're welcome. So, anything else? Any, uh, any other questions or reflections? Everything is welcome. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 a it's a it's a really good question. It's a kind of an ongoing um, exploration, I think, for many of us. So I'll give a little bit of the background. Uh, I mean, some of you know. I, I I I tend to give both as an option because uh, they're not uh, not every object of meditation is is helpful and useful for everyone. Yeah, so I found over the years of teaching that it is quite important to bring two, to, to, to give two possibilities. Um, but then the other side of it is that it then creates confusion because I'm, I'm giving meditation guidance both on how to work with breath and how to work with sound. And so whether you want to or not, that impacts your process. So just to give the background for that. Um, and typically we would say, you know, it's more helpful to stay with one, so to decide. And sometimes I guide it like this. I didn't today to, to say, okay, I'm choosing what feels more accessible, more helpful, either the breath or the sound, and I'm sticking to that. And yet, if it becomes a whole minefield of its own <laughs> of creating confusion and kind of sense of what am I doing, just let go. Yeah, and so fine, I'm going to be with both. Yeah, and see what happens there. And it might be interesting to explore for yourself. Sometimes doing that, or that and other times having clarity. Um, you know, I know Zara's leading the, the ODH. There's going to be this thing again. I'm going to decide, you know, even ahead of time, I'm going to be with a breath or I'm going to be with sound uh, and to see what happens when I stick with one through the session. And then you can judge for yourself what's, what's more helpful um, because there isn't just one way that's always helpful for everyone uh, and all of the time. Does that respond to your question? Okay, wonderful. Thank you. So I see there's some reflections in the in the chat. Um, yeah. Yeah. So Maureen, Maureen's sharing that same experience. Um, and then also, you know, yes, often we say, yeah, you should choose one practice and stick with that. Um, and, you know, over, it's, it's again, it's so individual, it's so difficult to say something and, and kind of, so I'm saying it and I'm going to have the caveat that, you know, it's not, this one I'm going to say may not be the right response for you. So we are different. Um, a little bit depends also what we want to cultivate in our practice, but it can be really helpful to have clarity, you know, for this period of time, whether it's a meditation session or a week or two weeks or a month, I'm primarily doing this, yeah, primarily um, cultivating um, mindfulness or I'm cultivating samadhi or I'm cultivating metta, yeah, and to know this is the right tool for me to also use 
Yeah, and this is if you already have some familiarity with different things. Sometimes we're at a stage where actually we're not sure yet what's what's the most accessible, and we want to try out different things. And then it's helpful to to try out different things and to see uh, how's the breath for me, how's the sound for me, um, how's the breath being, uh, you know, how, how's practicing with the breath in this way. Uh, for me and how is practicing with the breath in that way because there's different techniques of working with the breath as well so the the kind of the broad answer to you i would say uh, you definitely don't need to choose one style of meditation and stick to that throughout your practice life <laughs> because there's so many different threads that it's actually helpful for us to cultivate different strengths yeah but it can be helpful during a particular meditation session or in a period of your life that you have clarity of what you're doing. Uh, but in order to do that, you do need to, to try out different things, to know what's out there in the field so that you can choose. Yeah? Oh, it's this, this is, you know, right now I want to do this or I want to do that. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, and especially if, you, if, you, if you're coming to um, a lot of guided sessions, of course, it's valuable to try different things because the teachers may be offering different things. So, um, yeah, and I said if you're not sure yet, but also for some of us who've had a lot of practice, it can be worthwhile <laughs> trying out new things that we haven't heard of because sometimes we get into ruts. So, um, yeah, probably quite a, a confusing answer, but hopefully not too confusing. Let me know, Maureen, if you have a, a, a follow-up to that. I'll just wait to hear from Maureen, and otherwise uh, we will say goodbye in a minute. Okay, that's helpful. You have a follow-up, or, or it's helpful? Which one? <laughs> Sorry. You can tell maybe I'm a little... You have a follow-up. Okay, fine. Great. Any chance you want to talk to us? Otherwise, we'll be patient and wait. Patient and wait. <laughs> yeah, put things in the chat. You don't hear. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I think it can be really helpful. And... Uh, this is kind of the, you know, the benefit that there's a huge benefit in being supported with guidance, but there's also a huge benefit in then having time to apply it ourselves, yeah, in our own way so that we really kind of deepen our understanding and, and our own way of practice, yeah, which might be a little bit different to the emphasis that, that is given in guidance. So, you know, we have this um, abundance of support now with Sangha Live and with sessions here and other places that are really wonderful. Um, but yeah, seeing if you can, if, if you find, if you can find the balance, um, and, and doing some, uh, practice yourself, um, as, as you were doing earlier. And, you know, it can even include, it's funny, I was just thinking it today, and in, when I was guiding this practice, I thought, ah, I want to say this, and now you're, you're um, encouraging me to, but not many people are left. I'll, I, I need to remember to say it at the beginning of sessions. Sometimes we come and we want to practice with others, and that's a big motivation. And so I was going to say, okay, just to say at the beginning, I'm going to guide a half-hour meditation. If you want to do your own practice and not follow the guidance, you can set a timer for half an hour, Stay here with us, have a sense of everyone there, but 
turn down the volume all the way (laughs) so you don't hear my guidance and so you are here we're benefiting from your presence you're benefiting from our presence but you can do your own thing Uh, and then you still have you know you're still there at the opening you're still there with the reflections Uh, so that can be one way of doing it Uh, but also just setting aside some time so if you do a lot of sangha live sessions so maybe um you know, alternating weeks or finding another half hour in the day when you do your own practice. Um, There's lots of different options um, that you can play with. Does that, does that respond? Mm. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely allow, definitely encouraged. Um, You know, we want to support uh, you know, I'm saying this also as someone that teaches on Sangha Life, so I feel like I can respond on their behalf as well. That, um, you know, we want to support your practice in whatever way is fruitful. Yeah? And this is a fruitful, it's a fruitful way. That instinct that you have is fruitful. That, yes, I also want time and need time to consolidate my practice through practicing uh, self-led practice, not just listening to guidance. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, and thank you everyone. Wonderful. As always, so rich. Uh, and wonderful to be with all of you and to see so many lovely faces. I want to say hello to everyone, all the familiar. I see Naomi and Ryan there that I haven't seen for a while. And so many of you, Karen and Zoe and... Marianne and Julia, Claire, so many regulars. Um, really, really wonderful to, to be here with all of you and also all the, all the, the faces that may be new to me. Um, so thank you all. Really wonderful to, to be here with you and uh, enjoy the rest of the day, the rest of the week. Uh, and I'll see you soon. Go well. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.